This is Sports Cutting Edge for ASTN, the Australian Sports Technologies Network. Here's your host, Lockie Wills. Uh, it's my great honour to welcome one of my favourite people in the sports tech community in Australia, the founder of FemPro Armour that is completely changing the way we think about sport, protection for sport, and particularly for women and girls in sport. Steph Bowfinger, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lachlan. Really great to have you. I oh, have been been invited onto this. So it's, it's awesome, and thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You know, a few weeks ago, not that long ago, we were in Brisbane, and we're at the Australian Sports Innovation Week, and you were giving a talk and a summation of your business, and we started, you know, in front of the audience, I started asking a couple of questions and, and I got such a, a deeper insight into you and and the the mission behind what you're doing. And, and, and I could just tell the way that you spoke, such deep conviction. Um, you know, they, they always talk in this world we live in now about, you know, you've got to have your why, you know, your why. You know, this is sort of like a trend that people talk about that. Well, for you, it's legit. It is 100% legit. You have got such a deep conviction behind why you're doing this stuff. And so I said to Haley Priestnell in the office at AST, and I said, we got to get Steph Bowfinger on the show. And so Haley made the comments align, and you're on the show, and I appreciate your time very much. Can Steph, can you tell us, um, first of all, if we give people a quick idea about what FemPro Armour is, and then, more importantly, why you got into it? Why did you want to create this? So FEMPRO Armour is about protective wear for full prevention. Um, obviously, we started in the sports because um, it was a natural way for me to get out because I ride off-road motorcycle. In 2019, I rode the very first women all-women's um, all um, Simpson Desert ride. So we were 13 girls riding the Simpson Desert on our dirt bikes to raise funds and awareness for Dolly Stream, which is an anti-bullying charity. Mm. Now, when I went in there, pretty much as a freshling of off-road and dirt bike riding, um, I thought that my problem with protective gear was just my problem. But watching the other 12 girls over the four days and going over 1,200 sand dunes trying to stay alive, I discovered that my problem was not my problem because every single girl had the same problem regardless of five foot one or six foot one mm. one girl didn't even wear anything because she said that it is so uncomfortable and it is distracting her from what she needed to do so she rather wears nothing than being in that danger zone completely and, and Steph, uh, so, sorry to cut in. Sorry, Steph. I, I just wanted to ask, like, so that I'm, I'm very familiar with the Fink Desert race in the Australian Outback and so the off-road motocross and motorbike riding that happens. But for the listeners that aren't as familiar, can you describe what it's like, like going up those whoops, those sand dunes? Can you describe how epic a challenge it is, how many Ks you're doing in a day? And also, can you describe for the listeners, like, what sort of impact that has on the body, full stop, but then specifically for the female body? Yeah. Um, riding sand is a challenge by itself. Um, if you can't ride sand, you can pretty much ride anything because 
everything that you learn on the road regarding motorcycling goes out the window because you have to do exactly the opposite so you are fighting against your normal instinct of being safe so you have to let the bike do whatever it wants to do so if you're if your front wheel wants to go left you need to let it go left and basically the mantra is if if in doubt throttle out um because that's usually how you get out of a, a really bad situation now riding in sand you have to be fast enough to stay on top of the sand but obviously not so fast i mean i have i don't ride anything like these people at the fink desert which is an absolute epic an amazing ride my skill set is nowhere near that however the simpson desert big red is the biggest sand hill in the southern hemisphere and um you have to get up there but you don't know what's behind it so you can't go flying over those sand dunes because you have no idea does it go left or right or straight ahead or what is on the other side so you have to slow down um enough for you to not being um you know digging yourself into the sand uh but enough to see of what's going to happen and uh, uh a couple of times i had quite a few uh, uh, um uh, big holes that i actually there was one one um sand dune where i went over and it was a left and a right way you could go over because uh four-wheel drives goes through the simpson desert as well so you have to navigate yourself through that and uh so my track that i chose had on the other side a big hole of the size of a four-wheel drive i have absolutely no freaking idea excuse my language on how i actually managed to get out of that it, it it's i still can't remember how how that was about but when we stopped i said did you see that hole <laughs> and, and uh, so uh, yeah, it, it is quite dangerous and people tend to think our oh, sand, you land soft, but it's like water. If you fall into water, water becomes hard at a certain distance and speed. So, um, so you can go over those sand dunes at, and it all comes back down to your skill set, obviously. Um, I've only written sand two months prior to go to, um, into the Simpson Desert. So we did some training at Stratbike Island. And uh, my very first ride, I said, why the would people do this? <laughs> Excuse my language, but oh, honestly, it it literally took me out of my comfort zone in like a, a huge amount, but I loved every minute of it because it was exhausting because you have to move. You can't sit still and you need to stand when you're riding in sand um, because you have to get the gravity on your bike in a way that it, it stays where it's supposed to be. Um, uh, it's very scary and accelerating and, uh, and uh, um, thinking going back onto the Simpson Desert, it really makes me smile from left to right ear. Um, because it, it made me as a person grow so much because if I can achieve that and, and the Simpson desert for me was a really special 
um, experience because I went through domestic violence prior to this ride. So when I went through the Simpson Desert and we got to the end to Mount Deer, I had my, my uh, not physical or mental breakdown. It's not a breakdown, but for me, that was the end of that journey. And, uh, and I thought, you know, if I can achieve all this and come out that way, I can achieve anything. So it has a really special place. And the Simpson Desert changes with every single minute. Like you, 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 you ride through one part, which is really dry. And then suddenly you'll have this green oasis and, and, and flowers and, yeah. and, uh, and then there's a, a wind gust and, and then it changes again. And the, the, the sky is amazing at night and, yeah. and the animals and uh, it was just incredible, but, um, it, it, it was truly a life changing experience because I never thought that when I went into the Simpson desert, that four days later, I'm creating a business that changed my life and also changes other people's life, which makes this journey even more incredible. Well, it certainly is. And first of all, I'm so sorry to hear that you went through that, Steph, um, but all power to you for what you've been able to achieve to turn darkness into light. And I love the way you describe being out there in the Australian outback, you know, the mind, the body and soul all together as one. And and now you're creating, as you say, you're creating a business that's making such a, a huge difference in the lives of so many people. Um, and I love also the, if in doubt, throttle out. Or as my friends in Alice Springs say, send it. <laughs> so, yes, it's um, such a great, oh, yeah. it's a great culture. It's a fearlessness. And Steph, like specifically for the female body, you're out there with, you know, 13 great mates on this ride. Like... What sort of unique challenges does that have for, for women riding? And, and how much of a gap in the market was there with regards getting things that are custom made for women that are riding bikes in, in these sort of arduous conditions? Well, it's not just in motorcycling, but uh, in, in pretty much any sports that you can look at, uh, cricket, um, in, 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 in anything pretty mm. much is manufacturers have started you know it comes with shoes or even gloves or, or or pants they start with the male perspective in mind first um so pretty much in motorcycling you can go into a store and you see a very short or very small area of female designed gear regardless if it's a jacket or pants or shoes and a massive amount of male stuff when it comes to protective gear is what they've taken is either they've taken a male protective armor, they shrunk it and put a bit of pink in it and then call it a female body armor. <laughs> or they made a one that has unisex colors, so black or white, uh, and call it a unisex. Now, we know that 52% of the populations are females and they don't have the same shape than males have, regardless of having boobs or no boobs. Um, we just have a different shape. And it is very hard to cater for a female body because about 80% of men will fit into the same box. So it is easy to produce or it's easier to produce a, a, a gear uh, for males as such. 
where there is very small number of women that fit into a box. So to cater for everyone um, is extremely hard to do and extremely expensive to do. So I understand why there is very limited stuff for females. However, it's not an excuse. And um, so females had to adapt to uh, male protective gear and made it work for them. And yes, to a degree, it does work. However, it leaves us at times even more in danger than anything else. Because when we're talking about our breasts, if they are compromised because we have to strap the front and the back together to hold it in place, our breasts are compromised. If there's an injury or an impact happening on compressed breasts, we will have breast tissue damage, which can lead to breast cancer down the track. I'm not saying it does. Uh, however, breast cancer research states that you cannot eliminate an impact injury on the breast that to um, that it won't get to cancer, you know, years down the track. It's just really hard to pinpoint that this event equals to that event mm. because there's 20, 30 odd years in between. Yeah. So uh, when we talk about male chest, uh, obviously the most important part is your sternum, your rib, your heart as such. Now, our breasts are way much wider than the part that needs to be protected for the male. Um, then the hardest part is hard plastic. It does not move. Now, because you have different shapes, some women have upper curves, lower curves, mid curves, uh, front to the back. Um, so if you have a one fit size, you know, it, it just doesn't fit right because, and then the male shape or male upper body is usually longer than a female body. So we find that the chest protectors usually ride up into our faces. Uh, it just doesn't move. So it, it's just wrong on so many levels. And, um, so I understand why females then opt out in wearing something because it is actually making it worse. However, there are times when you just can't, like I'm risk adverse. I try to protect myself as much as possible because I want to get into a situation where I say, I'm glad I had it on instead. I wish I had it on. Um, I then deal with the aftermarket later as such because, uh, and, and, a lot of times the hard plastic does not absorb the impact force correctly either. So I always ask people, where do you think the energy force goes when it hits you? Where, what is actually happening? So, so having uh, protective gear on that isn't designed for the female shape is just um, another level of wrong. Absolutely. And then, so you went on this journey through The Simpson, and, and you're sort of uh, on the go learning all this sort of stuff and, and seeing it and experiencing it, not just through your eyes, but also your, your mates out there on the ride. How did you then go from, all right, we got a problem. How did you come up with the solution? Um, that's actually quite a big blur because when I finished I uh, and I met with my boyfriend then, uh, who's near my life partner, uh, I said to him, I'm going to create body armor. And he said, 
how and i went like yeah. i have no idea uh however that's only a hurdle and uh so i went into this massive big rabbit hole of research and i looked at everything i i could have used probably 10 computer screens of so many things that i had open so that i could see them properly yeah. and um and and literally over a 12 months period i i, I I had very little sleep because back then I worked a full-time job as a remedial massage therapist. And then I worked full-time on FemproArmor. And, and through my research, I discovered that originally we were just doing motocross. The idea was to supply motocross gear. But then through my research, I discovered that this problem was pretty much everywhere. It didn't matter where you looked. And the same like my grandma died of a had a femur fracture and then my mom broke her hips as well so it 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 was not just in sports it it was anywhere where there is a fall because of the inadequate gear that is produced up until now mm. so so it's and, and i've approached about 15 manufacturers and i said okay these are the things that i need to have because on the traditional gear, there are items that are really good. So I took those and kept them. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. However, we needed something that is super light, that is moldable to every female body shape and male shape, because we obviously provide body armor for guys now too. Um, so super light, that it absorbs the energy, distributes the energy, and then goes back out and not going into the body. So there were so many things and, and obviously I needed the breast shape for our chest armor. So those 15 manufacturers uh, pretty, pretty much said, this can't be done. Now it's the wrong thing you can tell me that I can't do something because it actually makes me even more just to prove a point. Um, and then through that research, I found my company and honestly, I can't even tell you how I found them. It, it's that research was just really massive. And, uh, when I sent them an email, uh, and I said to them, this is what I want to do. Can you help? And they obviously saw the opportunity. And they're only 45 minutes from my hometown in Germany, which is even crazier. Um, but Holger, what he said to me, he said, Stephanie, you know, I have no idea how to do this. However, I find a way. And so I knew I had my company. And uh, so 12 months and four days later, we had our very first chest armor. So I sat there, waited for my other half to come home and he came home two hours later and I said, where were you? Because I didn't want to open that box uh, um, without him because those 12 months, they were challenging on so many levels because I literally had no idea how to produce this. And, and I, I didn't want to produce some substandard, be just one of the many. It needed to be different and it needed to be, uh, because my miss mission is, to have a world where people fall, we can't stop them falling. However, that when they are falling, that they are safe. That's yeah. my mission. And uh, um, so, so there was a lot of research and a lot of effort going in. And uh, I pretty much sold everything that I owned, um, including my other half. He sold a number of motorbikes. Um, up, 
up to this day, we spent a half a million dollars on Fangparama. And uh, so it's it's every single dollar that I had that I made in my full-time job went into it. And, and obviously, yours, like I was scared that, is this going to work? You know, I, I, I had my doubts and my own personal doubts because I went into a an, an enormous learning curve of how to design uh, uh, um, apparels and I, I I spent six months in a fashion designing program and I didn't even know what a dart was and and they all laughed at me when I was asking what is a dart <laughs> and you know so it's it's like I uh, there were many times when I felt like being a fish without water however it was the most spectacular journey ever and I would do it all over again Oh, congratulations. You know, it's such an inspiring story for all the people listening that, you know, everyone goes through different challenges, different battles, particularly the startup community. You know, it's such a it's such a grind and a hustle, but then it comes through at the other end as you are now. I mean, congratulations also. You are recently in Sydney, a finalist for the Women in Business Awards there in Sydney, a tremendous performance there. And then next month, you're off to Germany, a major exhibition in Europe. So you're really starting to get great traction, great momentum. Congratulations also on signing that agreement with Bond University, one of the the most illustrious uh, private uh, tertiary education uh, platforms in the world, actually, Bond University, working with their rugby union program. You're doing research with them. Can you can you tell us about what you're doing with Bond, Steph? So last year I um, participated in a health accelerator, the Luminex program at the Gold Coast, which um, I was the only hardware business in the program. Uh, so everything was AI and in the cloud and all that stuff. So I felt a bit out of place. However, through that program, I was able to uh, speak at Bond University, one of their um, evening events. And I shared our product and our vision and what I want to accomplish. And so Bond University approached us and said, this is amazing. Um, can you create something for us? And and for me is, yes, motorcycling is my passion, but that's not it. It's like for me is there are so many sports where women need to be protected better. And I said, of course I can. <laughs> and um, But because I have obviously no idea about rugby union or rugby league or AFL and, and the Southport Sharks approached me the same way. And um, so we came together in this amazing partnership where the girls from Bond were um, trialing our product. So with the feedback and because obviously, as I said, I don't know how the game is and what their needs are. Every sport has different needs. Um, I was able through their feedback and and the um, collaboration to really pinpoint of what rugby really needs in order to be protected. So we made prototypes and uh, and they tried it and then through the feedback we changed and then did it again. So we're on our fourth fitting and we're pretty much on our final um, design now, which is really exciting and very scary in the same way. Um, however, through this collaboration, we also said that whilst our body armors are all European impact tested, which basically means um, we know exactly of how much force can be applied. 
but this is done in a laboratory under control circumstances as such but we don't have anything on live humans mm. so in particular with our gear so bond university and us we uh, came together and we are making a research paper in that research paper it takes five years to complete however there are three different papers within itself mm. um, so for us it's we want to be able to show that uh the difference between prior and after wearing our gear on what actually happens to the girls when they're wearing we will also um for afl and rugby we will also add sensors into our fabrics so they're actually getting sewn into the fabric so that we can actually it's like a heat map to determine of how much force was actually applied so it takes out the yes this was a hard hit or a medium hit this will actually tell us exactly of how much force was applied and on where the force was applied so the game in itself can then be changed so the clubs can then determine of what areas need to be trained harder to make those girls stronger or do they need to change the game in a certain way to make it safer uh, so it gives them a lot of uh, data in sense of making this game even better in itself. Um, so, and through that is we then can go to world rugby because that's our mission in regards to rugby is to actually bring out a safety standard into the game, which basically means that any business who wants to produce protective gear for rugby will have to oblige to the standard. Um, it's the same like any car manufacturers who puts uh, needs to have seat belts in or motorcycle helmets. They have to be a certain way because it needs to follow the sta safety standards. So we, we want to bring more safety into the game. So it allows those girls to go even harder and, and do things without having that fear of what happens afterwards because I hear so many uh, athletes from the 60s and 70s and 80s that are uh, uh, basically their bodies are broken because they never had proper protective gear and wearing protective gear doesn't mean that you are a sook or, or not strong or powerful it just means you are a bit smarter because <laughs> You know, and, and that's in my sense. It's um, I'm not saying that people that who not wear any protective gear are dumb. No, not at all. It's it's it's, uh, and I don't tell people what they should wear. Um, but for me, it's like when I was at the first time with Bond University, there was uh, a game on, and I watched them, and I cringed by looking of the the hits that they took, and and that was just a training session. And uh, one girl got injured and the trainer then said, oh my God, what am I going to do? Because she's the third replacement to the original player. And I'm going to, you don't have anyone? And she has, no. So for us is bringing in proper protective gear means that they will have the athletes longer in the game as well, which then makes makes um, not only the, the, the players safer, um, and I'm not saying that 
by wearing protective gear, they don't get injured, but they are getting less injured, which then can equal to less uh, time out. Um, so instead of being t out for 10 weeks, you might only be out for one or two weeks. So the whole game will change in itself with that. Well, you're exactly right, and and you are spot on uh, that it's about changing that mindset, isn't it? That you know, it's not about oh, you're a sook or you're not strong. It is about taking these smarter decisions, and what I think helps is where people like you, who I mean, you're someone that hasn't taken a short step in your life. You've embraced life and been fearless right the way through. And so, like when people like you say, "Hey, it's this isn't soft. This is smart." that's going to change people's mentality. It's the same as, you know, you watch the old James Dean or Steve McQueen movies and they're riding around, no helmet, no care in the world. And the truth of it is that, you know, uh, with a motorbike, you know, there's, there's no airbags that can go off. You know, it, it's a it's a tragic, it can be a tragic situation. You know, I got uh, two of my best friends, one passed away 18 months ago on a motorbike accident and the other one uh, in 2011 had life-changing uh, injuries as a consequence of one so like this is it's a real world thing life is so precious and and the same for you know all these different contact sports as you say like with regards rugby union afl etc and and steph how have you found it with the the southport sharks sort of going on the afl journey oh it's 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 incredible because you, you learn about so many other things you know which they have similar um issues then for example rugby but it's still different so it's the same but different and uh you you meet different people and and uh i get thrown into a world that i never thought i would be in it and um i i just can't wait to go into the gabba one day down in brisbane and sit and watch an afl game and i see fan pro armor flashing up on their marketing you know around the banner <laughs> of and then knowing that these girls are actually wearing our gear underneath their jersey, that is just the the pinnacle of, um, um, you know, like for me, the exciting part is that I have been actually been approached um, to come and do something for them. I wasn't going in there. So people like the Southport Sharks and Bond University, they saw the difference between what is existing and what we had because um it, it's so for example if you buy a product that is just a traditional um armor let's say in healthcare because if you don't get the right materials you have to make the item really thick in order for it to absorb some of the impact injury yeah. now no one in healthcare, even myself, when I ride on a motorcycle, I don't want to look like a robot and I don't want to look like a guy. I'm six foot tall. I have short hair. When I'm kitted out, I don't look like a petite little girl that, you know, so, so, so I don't want to wear something that just makes me look even more like a bloke. Nothing wrong with being a bloke, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm a girl. I have feminine features and, and I want to show those. So when it comes to healthcare, it's even more um, important that because no one wants to show that they need extra help. Mm. So the existing products that are on the market are like the size of a breakfast plate and it's about that thick. Now you put that into your pants, it sticks out like dog's breath. 
Now, I wouldn't want to wear it as a 50-odd-year-old, so why would someone who's older, who's frail and and uh, unstable on their feet, they, 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 they have troubles even having the buttons around their their neck, you know, in order to call for help if they have fallen. So it's really important that we can produce something that makes people feel not restricted in their movements, but they're comfortable and they don't look like they have something massive on them that makes them just looks odd. Uh, because we all want to look good. I mean, uh, um, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, so so for us, our product um, is just a different level of protection itself. And and how big is that with the, the healthcare? Because, you know, like that's what we see so often in sport. Like sport's a big market, but health's even bigger. Yeah, everyone needs health. Most of us love sport, but everyone needs health. So um, how much have you seen the opportunities for FemPro Armour to grow in that the health space? It's massive. We all have a mom and a dad. We all know someone who is an elderly, and we're all going to get old. So um, the not everyone rides a motorcycle or not everyone ride, does rugby or league. So there's less people doing sports than people that are over the age of 50. So it's massive. Um, so our product is uh, going into the aged care sector um, and working with dementia patients. Um, and then obviously into the hospitals because once you had a fall, you're more likely to have another fall um, if you had a, a, a fracture of your head of femur because you're unstable, you're you're unsure, you're scared. And and when I fall, uh, not so much now, but previously is uh, when I did fall, it does knock your confidence um, because you know you can get hurt and and uh, um, I mean. Early in the year, I had some significant falls whilst I wasn't hurt at all. And that and that was multiple times in the same day. So it literally crushed my confidence completely to zero to the extent where I said, I'm not going anywhere on this bike. Uh, however, it would have been a very long walk going <laughs> home. And uh, so I had to hop back on my bike and it was not pleasant. But I knew exactly... The moment I got home, I called uh, a beautiful person called Mel Delton, who's an ex-racer in the motocross, and I said, I need help. I did some, I did everything wrong that you could do. Um, my confidence is pretty much down the toilet. I need help because I was to go on um, uh, uh, down to Victoria to ride the um, high country, and I knew exactly that with my size of bike it is quite difficult to do and if i didn't do some training to get my confidence back um i could not do this right so when we talk about elderlies is when they have fallen because their confidence is knocked back and they get scared and and, and when my mom broke her um hips uh, a couple of months later i took her um, out and she got bumped by a person which we normally would not even care and I've never seen so much fear in my mom's eyes. And um, the problem more with her is that I've told her for so long, please wear my hip armor. Oh, no, I'm still okay. There's nothing wrong with me. And in a sense, 
she was right. However, when you fall in that age uh, gap, uh, in that age bracket, the likelihood that you hurt yourself is so significantly high. And she wears them now. And uh, um, and even yesterday when I saw her, she said that fall taken 10 years out of her. And statistics, particular in healthcare, say that within 12 to 18 months, a person who had uh, a head of femur fracture dies. Now, my grandma died four days later. She died of complications from the operation. And, um, but it, all of this could have been most likely um, be different, uh, had a different outcome, uh, in particular with elderly when they had a fall, uh, because uh, a head of femur fracture, I rather break an arm and a leg than a head of femur, mm -hmm. because you literally, you can't do anything. So because they're not moving, then they're not getting enough oxygen, they deteriorate, mental health, depression, they just, once they're at a certain age, they just give up. And that's when they um, go really bad. And, uh, uh, and, and that can be so avoided. Yeah, God. Oh, well, I'm incredibly sorry to hear about your grandma, but I, I, I love the way, you know, once again, your, your ability to be able to, you know, create a positive situation um, out of the worst uh, situation. It's, it, it, it was her journey. And mm. uh, however, without having that happened, I never would have thought about hip armors, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, so she was pretty much the 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 driving force behind that because I, I want to see people being safe and however the the challenge is so in Australia we have over nineteen thousand hip fractures every year now why aren't these people not wearing something and that's the hurdle it's and I I, I was in a healthcare meeting uh, last week with twenty five uh, uh, directors and nurses and doctors and they asked me you know what is so different from our product to the products that are on the market. And, uh, and I said, it's, it's because people don't want to wear bulky stuff um, and, and things that don't work fully. It's better than nothing completely. And you need to be very risk adverse to wear something like this. Uh, I mean, we see all the time motorcycle riders with shorts and t-shirts which and, and yesterday when I was driving back from Brisbane to Kingaroy because we only moved a few months ago um I, I see motorcycle riders where I'm just going to I, I sat there and just shook my head because you're asking for trouble and they all wore t-shirts and shorts and, and and sometimes I see, see thongs and I'm just going like yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I um, get it. Australia is a hot country, but man, you can have a shower afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I have a good friend who came off his bike uh, last week. He did a wheelie, and uh, it, it and he did many wheelies prior before. It was just one of those things that yeah. he just did an, uh, 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 something wrong, and he pretty much took the skin off his buttocks and uh um and he's going like i need some body armor on my bum now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet he does i bet he does yeah. oh gee whiz oh i think we can all feel that we can all feel it for your friend well we wish him a very speedy recovery and then also i dare say all you know in the 
the disability space, um, special needs, uh, mental health as well. Like the, the, the so many different uses for what you do. And I think that is true. What what makes your product different is is the passion and conviction behind it in addition to the way that you, you focus on comfort and, you know, the way that it can be integrated seamlessly into someone's life. But then also the fashion aspect. I mean, I look at your website, femproarmor.com, femproarmor.com, and you can see it. You know, you've got that style, that spunk, that swagger. So it makes it fun. It doesn't make it a chore, you know, which I think is a big part of people buying into it. Um, Steph, congratulations with everything you're doing. For people to get further in touch with you, what's the best thing to jump on your website and, and connect through the LinkedIn, the Insta? They're all there, uh, top right-hand side of the, the website page, also your phone number, um, and you can buy Shop Direct online. Uh, so femproarmor.com, yeah? Yeah, so, I mean, you pretty much can just Google us and you can and it comes up. The website is getting revamped uh, uh, at the moment, so it will look different in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but we are on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, um, people can email us at fem, info at femproarmor.com. But there's so many ways on how to get in contact with us. And um, I love chatting with people when they have questions of, you know, they're not quite sure what product or what size. And so email us, send us a, a Facebook message. Um, I'm, I'm always there or give us a call. And uh, the risk I'm calling is it's just I might talk your ear off <laughs> because obviously I love talking about body armor and educating people on what to look out for because like my very first body armor was not even body armor. It was just a rooster guard to protect me from flying rocks, which I yeah. really couldn't care less if I have a little rock flying at me. Like I want to yeah. be protected when I hit a tree. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. but I didn't know any different. And because as I said at the start in Australia, we don't have any safety standards in regards of body armor. So you can take any plastic and call it body armor, which is a very scary thing. And uh, uh, so I, I love to educate people that want to listen and, and want to learn for themselves on how best to protect yourself. So, yeah. But thank you so much, Lachlan, for having me and having a chat. And it's uh, amazing to be amongst you guys. And, and yeah, um, thank you. Well, you're a wonderful part of the ASTN family, Steph, and uh, I appreciate your time very, very much. So femproarmor.com, Steph Bowfinger, thank you very much. Thanks, Lachlan. You've been listening to Sports Cutting Edge for the Australian Sports Technologies Network. For more, jump online at astn.com.au.